You're listening to Prefect Talk, a podcast by the Penrith Perception where we drive discussions about the cogs and gears that run a selective high school in New South Wales. In today's episode, we will hear from three highly successful sportspersons within our school community to find out exactly what it takes to maintain a highly motivated athletic mindset. I'm your host, Miat. We all know the significance of doing sports to maintain our fitness, but how does it feel to bump it to the next level to train for countless hours each week alongside school and perform nationally and represent our state and country with pride? To know what it takes to sustain such a highly passionate athletic mentality, we will be talking to two of our senior students, Andre Dubier and Gori Kotera. Andre Dubier and Gori Kotera are all at the top of the field within the diverse spots of cycling and rowing respectively. Andre Dubier is an international cyclist who represented Australia at the Oceania Championship this year in 2020. He trains six days a week and can never skip leg day. Andre is also the school captain of Penrith High School for 2022. Gori Kotera is a top 5 state under 16 rower with several state medals such as schoolgirl, head of the river and combined high school championships. She is currently preparing for Australian championship in 2023, training early mornings on the Parramatta River. We also welcome Mr McGuinness who played professional football in the 80s and 90s when he was just starting off in his professional career. Mr McGuinness played for the Scotland U18 national team in the 1982 European Championship finals held in Finland. 2022 marks the 40-year anniversary of the championship and it is the only time Scotland has ever won a major international championship. He still plays football every week and coaches the soccer and football enrichment teams at Penrith High School. Welcome all and thank you for being here. Can we first get a quick introduction of all of you? I'm Mr McGuinness. Um, I was fortunate when I was a bit younger to be playing professional soccer, which was something I always wanted to try and do. And I now find myself retired from football in a lot of ways. And I'm now a teacher, and hence the reason why I'm now at Penrith High School, which I love. Uh, my name is Andre. Um, I compete in cycling. Um, I've represented Australia at the Oceania Championships, and I uh, race both track cycling and road cycling as well. Um, my name is Gori. I'm a rower, and I'm one of the top five rowers in the state. Um, I'm working towards nationals next year. Um, so to start off, we want to ask you, how did you first get into your sport? So was this something that ran in the family or were you guys like athletic since day one? Um, so for me, um, it ran in the family. So my dad was also a national cyclist when he competed in India. Um, and my mum, she always tried to push me to get into triathlons. Um, she went to the world championships for triathlon. So she represented Australia. So it was definitely a very sporty family. Um, my mom tried to get me into triathlons, but I think my dad won that argument and got me into cycling. So for me, none of my family's um, athletic. I was kind of like a one-off child. And I started off in year seven when I was introduced as a part of the school. And then I took off from there. I guess I'm a little bit like Gory as well. I was one of these freak athletic people that was in my family. The rest were really weren't. Um, and I was, guess I was really quite fortunate, but I really started playing football when I was about five, I think, in the front garden, and that's what I remember of it, and I just kept going. So what accomplishment are you all most proud of? Uh, for me, it's definitely my state ranking, as well as my state medals in the sprint championships and the combined high school championships. For me, they're um, the most prestigious medals I've ever won. Uh, for me, it was uh, representing New South Wales at the national championships. Um, I placed fourth on three separate occasions. And then from that, I was able to progress to the Oceania championships where I placed eighth. Um, so probably those two moments were uh, my proudest accomplishments. Again, I was a very lucky 18-year-old 
who played in the Scottish uh, European Championships. Well, Scotland actually won it for the very first time and only time, and that was 40 years ago. They've just had a celebration in the UK about it. Um, so, yeah, that was that was something that was a bit special, and I enjoyed that as I grew up. Wait, have they, like, never won since that, like, match? No, never. Even to this day? Yes, yeah. Well, it's the only team that's ever done it. Um, so to prepare for, like, all your competitions and stuff, how did, like, training look like for you guys? Um, really quite extensive. Um, because at a professional level when I was younger, um, you know, the build-up to the games were always big, big crowds, you know, and the warm-up prior to a game was always really quite extensive. And um, if you didn't do the right stretch, they'd certainly have a go at you if you didn't do it properly. So, you know, very quickly I got to know how to warm-up and how to prepare and it's something I've always had. Uh, for me, uh, like a training week comprises of about six days a week where we're training. Um, so you have one day rest in order, you know, to let your body recover a little bit. Um, for a typical session, so when I was preparing for the Oceana Track Championships, um, that's where you race around on the velodrome, which is the indoor track. Um, so for that, you usually go down to the velodrome after school. Like uh, Mr McGuinness said, warm-up was really important. Um, so you're making sure that you're getting at least 20 minutes of warm-up in, um, followed by a few efforts. Now, the efforts, you know, can vary uh, in distances. Um, sometimes we were looking at three-kilometre efforts or sometimes we're looking at a little bit longer than that. Um, so that's usually a typical uh, track session. Um, those are usually done about twice a week. Uh, then the other days you're training along the roads. Uh, so when you're riding on the road, you're usually doing about... 60 or 70 kilometres, um, sometimes in the off-season you can get up to rides, which uh, my longest ride's been 200 kilometres, and that took about seven and a half hours, so that's all about building your endurance and building your base, because cycling's a very uh, endurance-based sport, um, so that's the things you've got to focus on while training. Did all that feel very rigorous? Uh, oh yeah, for sure, like especially managing that and school as well, so you, get, you come home, have something to eat, and then you've got to drive to Bankstown to, in order to get uh, to the velodrome because that's the only one that's in Sydney uh, and that's about a bit, about an hour away from where I live. So you've got to make sure that you're keeping to a very tight schedule. Uh, for me, it kind of differs from the off-season and the on-season. The on During the on-season, I'm going mornings and nights on the rowing machine, on the water. It's kind of like the first chance you get, you get on the water. You practice, you do something and you come back. So your body's getting used to that very rigorous kind of rowing motion, motion before the exa- um, sorry before the races. And then during the on-season, it's a lot less, um, it's more, I guess, land-based, more gymming, more aerobic exercises, running, cycling, again, on the rowing machine, on the erg, and try to build up that power and the endurance so you can use it through the races, yeah. So with all this training, how did you guys stay motivated? Uh, for me, it's, um, I guess it's the support from my family. Plus, knowing that all the hard work I put in, it will like accumulate and I will have those great results that I'm waiting for. Um, for me, it's all about, I know this is, you know, a lot of people reuse the saying, but it's all about setting goals. Um, so for me, competitions, uh, they come around not that often. Um, so you only got the national championships once a year and that's usually held in March. So in order to prepare for your events, you've really just got to set yourself mini goals along along the year. So whether or not it just be a smaller race, but you're just going to make sure that you're always looking to what's next is the easiest way to stay motivated. Yeah, I'd agree with Andre and Gori there. Um, and also you've got to have this natural drive that comes with you. I think that's something you, you may inherit 
but really it's got to be something that's um, always in you, very competitive. Um, You've got to be dedicated. It takes a certain type, I think, to be able to reach these sort of levels. And I'm, I'm in awe of what um, the two of these, two people alongside me have been, been doing. I didn't know most of this, and um, it's fantastic to hear. So how did you push through like any like difficulties or tough times that you had while preparing for your tra- like competitions or sport? I think the worst things for me was when I got an injury and just substantial amount of injuries I used to get when I was younger. So knocked out a few times, broke a leg, um, ruptured knee ligaments. And these things are pretty... Uh, dangerous obviously um, when they do happen so you just don't think you're going to get back sometimes but I had this uh, desire to always play so it was almost like when I was in a hospital lying in a bed just after having an operation I'd say to myself I'm going to get out of this I'm going to get myself back fit and I'll see you in a few weeks time so um, it was just that drive I had. Um, I have a question I just want to know what does it feel like to like break a bone because I've never broken a bone before. <laughs> I just really want to know. Um, uh, the first one I broke was just actually a toe and you don't realise there's so many bones in your foot that uh, you think oh, I've broken a bone and they couldn't find out which one it was. It was so complicated, difficult to see and at that time they didn't have s- proper scans, it was just an x-ray. So it wasn't very clear and we're talking about 1980 or something. Um, so yeah, it was to to break a bone it took me about that was about a year it took before I was actually able to play again and I was only 14 so um it it was some that's where I probably got my drive and my succession plan about you know where am I going to go after this but I managed to get back fit again and very fortunate to still be walking <laughs> uh like sir said uh for me physically um I was involved in an accident a couple of years ago where um, I was hit by a car and I spent a week in the hospital, like uh, had a few injuries, like bleeding on the brain. And um, that sort of time was, uh, it really put things into perspective. Like it was um, when the doctors came in and they, you know, gave you your scans and things like that. It was like a very sort of thing where you're nervous and not as much focusing on what you're going to do next. Um, so that one was a, very difficult injury to come back from. Um, but for me, I always found um, the emotional side of it to be harder to push through. Um, the physical thing I found, you know, the injuries, you know, they were, they were bad. But after a few months, you know, those went down and, you know, you were able to push through. I found the emotional uh, setbacks to be the hardest part of actually. Uh, so a couple of years ago, I missed out on making the state team. Um, so to represent New South Wales in the Nationals, um, I missed out just by, like, one place. And uh, I've had many close finishes. Like, I missed out on a national medal by uh, three millimetres. Um, so those sort of, like, emotional things where it was so close and you didn't, you weren't able to just get it, I always found those the hardest things to do. But um, for me, it was always to get through that was just sort of, like, you take a little bit of time not to think about it. Um, so obviously it's playing through your mind, but you got to take a f- little bit not to get on the bike, just to you know process what's going on, and then after that getting back onto it. So I found diving straight back into it was obviously not not great for me, but uh, yeah, you just got to push through it to look forward to what's next. Um, fortunately for me, I've never had those serious kind of injuries, touch wood, until now. But for me, the hardest thing would be like just before the race when I'm actually getting on the water 
getting onto the boat, my hand is shaking, everything is a mess because you get on the water and before the race actually starts, there's like this waiting bay where you wait with other ro- uh, other rowers you're going to race with and there's so much tension because everyone's aiming for the medal, everyone wants to win and you're just sitting with these other people who you know might be better than you and might just take off um, that medal from you and I guess that for me is so stressful and I agree with Andre when it comes to the fact that that emotional setback like you know you're ready for the race you know you've trained but just that mental kind of stress that comes on you when you're surrounded by, by these really wonderful rowers it's definitely the toughest who is your biggest hype person oh easily my mum easily um she stands on the side of the banks of the river while I'm racing and she yells go gory at the top of her lungs while I'm dying on the water oh yeah my favorite person uh for me it's definitely my little sister Um, My little sister, she also um, races as well. So we're um, usually at the same events. So I like to think I'm her biggest hype person as well. Um, She'd probably say that I embarrass her a little bit as well. But um, yeah, definitely my sister, you know, um, seeing her accomplish things as well, um, seeing her win medals and things like that is this, you know, gives you the same sort of satisfaction as if you were to win one as well. But yeah, she she yells a lot. And um, yeah, definitely, definitely my little sister. I'd have to say my dad... Um, who's no longer with us now, but um, he was just amazing, just being able to help drive me, and I, I think I must have got that from him. Um, and he was great at being able to go and inspire me before games, um, and it was just a, a great help to be able to try and get yourself, your head into the right spot so you can go and play. But little things like that helped. So um, I'm pretty proud of... Um, what my dad's done for me as well. And it was a long time ago, but um, I'll never, ever forget that. Um, well, how do you guys, apart from, like, the training, how do you prepare for your competitions and games? So do you have, like, a ritual that you do or, like, a lucky charm that you always have? Um, in soccer, uh, being a team sport, um, you usually have an individual bit of time to go and do your own warm-up and then you join the group part. Um, so I always did the same thing to the point where um, a lot of the supporters are saying, how, how do you keep doing that? Uh, you do exactly the same every time you warm up. And I said, well, I, I just, it, obviously it's working because I don't get injuries. So, um, yeah, so I think that's a, a, a real important part. You know, that's something you need to do. Um, for me, so obviously when I'm warming up, you've got to go, like Mr. McGuinness said, go through the same warm-up routines. Um, I always like to listen to a little bit of music um, before an event, um, you know, to get yourself a little bit hyped up before an event. Um, I actually have a very unusual thing that I have to do each time before I race. Um, So on the bike, I I have to tap the frame uh, twice and then my handlebars four times on the right-hand side first. And then... (laughs) And then I have to do the exact same thing on the left-hand side. So it always has to be two taps uh, of the frame and then four taps of the handlebars and then two taps on the frame and then four taps of the handlebars, right and then left. I have to do that every single time before I start an event. I, everyone goes, why are you doing this? But it's just my sort of way to, you know, Absolutely. it's like I'm about to race and that's the method I do every single time before I race. So, yeah, that's a bit of a weird one, but uh, the simple one's music and warm-up. Like Sir said, make sure you get your warm-up routine the exact same. That way there's no stress before before a race. Um, for me, I just tend to load up on the sugar race so I have that because it's a very short race it's usually the one kilometer or two kilometers and I just load up on the sugar a lot of Gatorade a lot of lollies 
and then I go and race. But another thing I do is I have this pair of my lucky avocado socks, which I, <laughs> I'm obsessed with. And I wear them before every single race of mine because at least I have that little bit of confidence that I've got my lucky charm. What would you say is one aspect of your game that is a real strength for all of you? Um, so for me, um, I would say my uh, tactical awareness. Um, obviously, I'm not as uh, tall or as strong as some of the other riders that I compete against. Um, so they're a lot more, you know, naturally and physically better than me in terms of the amount of power and the amount of strength that they're able to apply. Um, so in order to, you know, still do well in a sport, I feel like my uh, knowledge of how to race and in terms of your positioning coming into the last few laps, I think is a real strength of mine and my ability to always be towards the front um, with saving energy as well. Um, I think that's the real strength of mine. Um, a strength for me would be, I guess, like like the raw power that I've developed through gymming and exercising because it's at the end of the race, you, that's just what you need. You don't need endurance. You don't need fitness. You just need to push through the last bit. Yeah. Um, having played the game for so many years and still playing yet at 58, I think I start to read the game really well and I can anticipate things happening. I've seen it so many times before and in, in, in team games, you can actually start to dissect the game a little bit more. And a lot of people do that on TV. Some of the commentators do it, but we do it on the field. And we can see it live right in front of us. And we go, oh, he's going to wait to play it there. So I'll, I know to go and anticipate that the ball will go there. And I usually win things like that. So I guess a lot of that experience I've had is going to help me. And that's probably my strength in there. So how did you balance academics and your sport? Uh, yeah, so... Um for me, obviously, you know, uh, selective school environment, there's a lot of, you know, pressure on academics and things like that. And, um, like, um, I was always introduced into sport from a very young age. Um, so I've been riding since I was, like, like racing since I was about 10 or around that age. Um, so schools always sort of fit around that. Um, and the main thing I've always found, I know teachers always say it, is time management. And time management becomes extremely crucial when you've lost about three or four hours after school. Um, so usually I only get back after a training session at around nine or 10 o'clock at night. Um, so then you've got to manage your schoolwork after that. So there's very limited time to, you know, be on social media or checking phones or things like that. So when you come home from training, it's very much get straight into your schoolwork, have a plan ready and make sure that you're getting it done so you can have enough rest because if you don't have enough rest, you're your sporting and your school is going to go backwards as well. Yeah, um, I need to draw up a very meticulous plan about everything I'm going to do that day. Thankfully, rowing is an early morning sport. So at least all of my training, most of my training finishes early in the morning. And then I just have to come back from, um, come back from school, kind of rest a little bit and then dive into my work. And just having that planned out really helps me. As a 13-year-old playing um, football, school was basically something that um, I had to go to. Whilst I was actually travelling through to places like Glasgow, which was two hours away, on a train. And I did that for two or three years, um, just travelling through. So I missed a reasonable amount of school because I was involved in professional football. And that was what happened at that time. So when I think about it now, um, uh, it's great to be a teacher um, and still coming back in. And I just think this school is awesome. And you students are just fantastic. 
and um, I love working here. So I mean, it's a pleasure coming in to to work here and uh, be at school. But um, yeah, great experience. So I'm very lucky. With sport and all this training, did you have any time for personal hobbies? Um, for me, um, probably the, at that era, we're talking 30, 40 years ago, golf was the other thing that allowed me to be able to uh, relax. So, And it was quite an, uh, uh, a popular thing in Scotland because it's a national sport almost there. Um, and a lot of us footballers used to go and try and get a game of golf. So it was like four hours to just relax and do something different. But, um, yeah, most of the time it was very busy being involved in full-time football. Uh, for me, I think um, over the years, years um, cycling has basically just become your hobby. Uh, you do it because, you know, you love it. Obviously, you get the rewards out of it. But, you know, the continued commitment to it, I think it just sort of becomes your hobby and you don't really see anything else you'd rather be doing apart from doing that. So... I think for me, it just became my hobby. It just became what I loved to do. So, yeah, that's my answer to that. Okay. So for me, I tend to push all of my downtime to the weekends where I'll either take like Saturday morning or Sunday morning just to myself, sleep in, maybe read a book. And that's, that's as far as my hobbies go to. Otherwise, again, I'm like Andre said, rowing is a part of my everyday life and I do it like a hobby. Where does your passion for your sport align with your future aspirations? You obviously don't know how old I am. <laughs> um, I'm quite happy having a plan of enjoying the rest of my, my life, um, playing sport, having an activity, feeling that uh, drive to be able to go out and do um, exercise. That'd be great for me. Um, and I think that's the most important thing for me as I get older. Um, for me, so obviously I'm studying year 12 at the moment, so I'm doing my HSC. So at the moment, school's pretty full on, so that's probably taken priority at the moment. So cycling's sort of taken a little bit of a back foot for this for this year. But um, go, going into university next year, I'd love to be studying law. So that's that's my goal for next year. Um, uh, with that, cycling will you know play play its role because I feel like cycling's given me so much. Uh, need for competitiveness, always trying to, you know, strive to, you know, push yourself to different limits. So um, I'd love to continue cycling. I would love to go to the national championships again. Um, so this year I represented um, New South Wales as an under-19. Um, next year I move into the elite category. So um, it's going to be a lot, uh, m lot more challenging, but uh, hopefully back to the national level in a few years' time. Oh, thankfully, I still have a couple of more years before my study builds up at that level. So right now I'm just going to enjoy rowing the way it is. But um, obviously school will take a priority eventually, but rowing always gives me that downtime where I can just sort of do something else, take a break from my studies and balance life out. Yeah. Do you have any heroes or role models that you all, looked up, that you all look up to? Uh, there's always many in football and some of the proudest um, opportunities I've had where um, I've met some. Maradona is... Uh, a player who probably is not known to many, but in the 80s he was just an absolute superstar and he was always my hero and people like Messi and Ronaldo are fantastic too in my sport. So yeah, it's good to have people like that. They help drive you on and you find out little things about it and you maybe take some of their actions and their thoughts. It's good. Um, for me, I would say I'd have like two role models. Um, 
one of them being uh, Cadell Evans. Uh, so Cadell Evans was the first ever Australian to win the Tour de France. Uh, the Tour de France is like one of the biggest cycling events in the world. Um, it's primarily a European sport. So to see an Australian uh, win it was, um, you know, really inspiring for me because it sort of said, oh, anyone from, you know, around the world can, you know, um, achieve great things in the sport. Um, the other person that I really look up to is uh, Petar Sagan. He's also one. He's also a professional cyclist, and he's from Slovakia, um, where my mum's from. And um, so Slovakia is a very small country. Um, there's only about two million people there. And um, the way that he was able to grow from from such a small country to become, I think he's four time world champion or something now. Um, to see you know the progression from where someone was to the top level, um, that's always been very inspiring to me. Uh, Kate Hornsey has been a great inspiration to me. She was three, uh, three-time world champion in rowing, and she still she doesn't compete anymore. But she's still she's constantly talking about rowing. She's telling people how to do better in the sport. And um, honestly, something that I want to achieve as well. I want to keep doing the sport not only as a on on a competitive edge, but also as a recreation edge where I can help the people around me. Um. What's one piece of advice that you wish you could tell your younger self? Um, I guess a lot of it would have been about patience. Um, as a young teenager, I wanted to try and achieve things really early, and I, I was very lucky. I did do well when I was earlier, but um, I, I always wanted to try and get there before others. You know, I wanted to achieve things and do it yesterday rather than tomorrow. So um, patience is something I would suggest is um, a very useful asset. Um, for me, I would say it's something that my nan always used to tell me. Uh, she always used to say, um, it all comes. Um, and sort of a few years ago, I didn't really you know, believe in that as much because uh, a few years ago, it was like really tough uh, competing against you know, people that uh, were beating me and they were, you know, uh, every single race was really difficult to try and, you know, get a good position. And she always used to say, it all comes, it all comes. Uh, at that time, I didn't really believe believe that. Um, but fortunately, a few years on, and I was able to achieve, um, you know, some really great results. And, um, yeah, so if if um, I, if my nan was still here, I'd, I would say thank you for giving that sort of advice because eventually it does it does come um you just got to keep working hard for it so that's something i would love to you know tell my younger self and say you got to you got to listen to that because it's true uh tell my younger self well there's not a lot to say because it's not been that long maybe just to i guess maintain the pace so find a steady pace and just keep working on it because eventually it will accumulate you will get what you uh, what you deserve um, for the last question, do you have any advice to young people who want to start a career in sport? Um, if it was football, um, I would suggest obviously try and play at the best level you can get, work with a good coach, be level-headed, make good decisions on the field, don't get involved in you know, uh, skirmishes on the field, getting booked, sent off, things like that. That's all emotional stuff. Think more about the game and uh, being a better skilled player. Uh, for me, uh, if I was going to give advice to any any young people trying to get into sports, I'd say get into as many sports as you can. Try try everything. Um, so I used to do athletics. I did BMX. I did uh, 
touch football. So I did I did a whole range of sports, swimming as well. So do as many sports as you can when you're young. Um, try everything. See which ones that you like. Um, for me, my dad always said when you when you're growing up a little bit older, then sort of focus on the one that you know you love the most because dedicated, like Sir said, try and get to the highest level as you can. But um, yeah, when you're first trying to get into sport, don't choose one. Don't limit yourself to one. Choose as many as you can. Get into get into them all. Um, I would say persevere through it. It's going to be hard at the beginning. It's it's never easy um, if you want to become the best at anything. But as long as you work hard, you persevere, persevere through it, and you keep your ultimate goal in mind, you will make it through anything. That's it for today's episode of The Pen With Perception. We hope you enjoyed the inspiring words of your community and how they will continue to prosper and represent the school's culture. Thank you so, so much to everyone who shared their experiences. That about wraps up our discussion today, so thank you for listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Penrith Perception, a podcast made by the multimedia leaders. To support us and be notified when new episodes are released, feel free to follow us on Spotify. You can also find us on Instagram at The Penrith Perception for more news and upcoming episodes. This podcast was recorded on Darug land, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. The Penrith Perception is mixed and edited by Holly Kouriakos and Myatno. Executive produced by Githika Aranulathil, Eman Faisal and Dimitris Cardanas. Produced by Diane Kesslangen, Tamina Manchandia, and Supriti Cantor. Graphic design by Sofia Gonzalez and Jai Zhu. Music composed by Pritam Talugu.